Welcome to another Blind Entrepreneurship bonus episode brought to you by Penji. And today is another webinar Penji Masterclass series labeled Building an Authentic Community, which is done by Sakina Brody, our Director of Partnerships here at Penji. And if anybody that is listening that has developed or created some variation of a community or is trying to, you are in for an absolute treat. Community building is always said to be one of that, that one thing that you need to do in your business, right? But it's by far the hardest freaking thing that you can do. It takes time, patience, understanding, empathy, the list goes on and on. And, and did I say time because that's probably the hardest thing to do. And building a community is more than just a Facebook group or an email newsletter. It's understanding. It's understanding your audience, providing valuable content, and like content that they actually need, and not just like content that you want to create, right? And so we are joined with Sakina, two individuals that are leaders within the Philly um, co-working community. One being Adam Tetteris from Indie Hall and Tamara Thompson from 1776. Sakina, take it away. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's live webinar. The topic today is building authentic communities. I'm Sakina, the Director of Partnerships here, and I'll be the moderator of our great panel today. So today I'm joined by two community builders with two very unique perspectives, and I'll let them introduce themselves. We have Adam Tetteris of Indy Hall and also Tamara Thompson of 1776. So Tamara, do you want to start and just tell people who you are and what exactly you do? Awesome. And what about you, Adam? Uh, my name is Adam Tetteris, uh, and I've been at the helm of Indy Hall, one of the country's longest-running co-working communities uh, for the past seven years, seven-plus years. Wow. Uh, Indy Hall is uh, celebrating 13 years this year, and uh, a part of my role is facilitating interactions, just like Tamara mentioned, you're making intentional connections is a yep. really big part. I think a lot of... Uh, of what we do is trying to find a way to create space for serendipity, sort of uh, create systems for chance encounters and, and, and positive encounters. And uh, a bit of it is science and a bit of it is uh, an art form. And I think um, we have tried a lot of things over our, the longevity of, of, of our time running as a community. And so we have a lot of experience to share. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to start with uh, this question for you guys. What do you think are three key traits that you need to have in order to be successful at bringing people together? Like what are some things that you have within your personality already that you think make you successful? Within my personality? Yeah, just some, some things that you think you, you'll need to build successful communities. Oh, three things. I don't know. Tamara, do you want to take <laughs> three things? Thank you. I could take a stab at that only because it's something that um, I, I've learned to recognize as a strength within myself and then I've been trying to figure out how to scale the mentality um, as our, our organization scales. But um, for me, 
I think it comes down to an approach for interacting with individuals that is, is I like to call it you first, then me, right? So really taking the time to get to know who people are um, without any motivation, uh, being able to listen to what they're working on, what challenges that they're facing, ask questions and have a curiosity, a general curiosity about what it is that they're doing. Um, and then further to that, using, I think, the uh, resources and the knowledge that you already have around the other connections that you've built, the relationships that you've built, to then be very intentional about your responses and the introductions that you're going to make to, to individuals. So I think that you first, then me, and really what it comes down to is listening um, to people and being willing to listen without motivation um, it is very key. Um, and I think that lends itself to um, the authenticity of the relationship, right? Um, if, if I'm not entering a conversation in a tra transactional way and saying, hey, I'm Tyrus, I'm Tamara Thompson, this is what I do, who are you, what can you do for me? There's more of an authentic relationship built that can um, encourage individuals to then take a further attitude of, of wanting to champion someone else's cause. And I think that that's another key um, component to really what, what Adam and I do and he can disagree with me is, is, is be a champion for, for the individuals who work with us and the relationships that we're able to build and still take. Yep. Yeah, I, I would agree with absolutely everything that Tamara said. Um, so I'll try to say three distinctly different things that I think complement those things. Um, it, because of course you need to be an extraordinary listener. Uh, you, of course, you need to be uh, curious mm -hmm. and you want to learn about people and, and uh, you first and then me is, is a great way of going. Um, I would love to compliment that one in particular. I think you need to be the type of person who recognizes sustainable interactions and uh, using the phrase that we use here is, uh, that's a good idea, you should do that, is a, a great way to uh, be an excellent social facilitator to help people find what they're looking for and making sure that you don't inadvertently, I should use I statements, I don't inadvertently put myself in their position and take that opportunity away. Um, and that also means that I need to be an excellent educator because I need to be someone who is capable of presenting tools and resources and giving people the skills and abilities to use those things comfortably. Um, and a, a part of being an excellent educator is, is being someone who understands how to offer permission and enthusiastic permission and to let folks mm. know that they're allowed to experiment, they're allowed to be creative, they're allowed to do things that they haven't seen before, uh, which means I need to put myself in a place in which I am vulnerable and open and curious and ready to learn just like they are. Uh, because if I seem close off to those ideas, if it seems like I have it all figured out and we're done here, <laughs> right. then folks won't occupy those spaces in between. And I, I think that's, that's a skill set um, because to some degree, it's risky to be in a position where you're telling people, I don't know, I have no idea. I don't know uh, if that's a good idea, but we, we should find out together. You should try that. Gotcha. Um, I think that's that's a really key co component of being a, an excellent facilitator. Mm. I 100% piggyback on that, Adam. Say that you know humility, having the ability to say like, "Hey, I have no clue. I know you think that I should know, but I have no yeah. idea. Let's figure it out together. And I'm not going to leave you stranded on this island. But we'll find a way together and empowering them to do 
just that mm -hmm. um, with some support is a really, really great way to then you know, further build those relationships and trust. Yeah. Something that is extremely important in building those relationships. If you say you're going to do something, follow through with doing that thing. Mm -hmm. And if follow through comes back and is like, hey, I tried X, Y, and Z, and like nothing came to fruition, I'm so sorry for that. At least you made an attempt um, to support this new relationship that you built that you're invested in. Mm -hmm. And what does it take to come to those realizations that you do have to pretty much drop your ego and realize that you don't know everything in order to make your community better? And how much time did it take for you to learn these lessons? I'll, I'll let you both answer that one. Yeah, uh, dropping your ego is a really important thing. What did, what did it take? What did it take for me and how much mm -hmm. time did it take? I, I have a background in, in acting. Um, oh. I, went to, I went to, it shouldn't be, that weird to hear. Uh, it's to be kind of like a gregarious person. Uh, I, I went to school for broadcasting, so I wanted to do radio and television. And a part of that is being an, an on-screen personality and also learning about how to be a part of a team that produces those mm -hmm. things. So um, I would recommend this to virtually every human I have ever met, but, <laughs> but certainly someone who operates a co-working space or, or any community-centric organization. Uh, I would. I, I took a ton of classes in improv. I love improvisation. Um, it's like the corniest art form ever. I am allowed to say that because I'm someone who performs it. Uh, but it's it is the art form of learning to understand when to have and express authority and when to relent that and to support your partners, your scene partners, and to take care of them when they make an offer. We yes and we compliment each other. When I make an offer, it's with confidence, and I, I have trust in my, my teammates being able to do that too. A lot of that is learning how to sacrifice your ego, mm -hmm. um, and not an entirely sacrificial uh, uh, performance, but more of a figuring out how to balance those things, making sure that you know that you're playing with your strengths, mm. you're giving the best that you've got because you have confidence in what that is, but also understanding that it's not entirely about you. Uh, and there are, are correct times to hand that stuff off. A lot of, a lot of my background uh, for what I do here comes from, from that improvisational background. Awesome. And what about for you, Tamara? What did it take for you to learn these, these lessons? I think it's similar to Adam, but utilizing a different vehicle. Uh, I grew up playing sports. Um, my dad was a high school basketball coach for you know, 30 plus some years. I grew up on a basketball court. I grew up playing. Um, and then I went on to major uh, in sport management and go on to be an athletic director myself, both here and overseas. Uh, and I think the motivation for me for doing that wasn't because I wanted to become some you know, basketball star. I'm five foot two. Wasn't going to happen for me. Um, it also wasn't because um, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, and wanted to be continuing to be in the sports realm. It actually was because I were the most important characteristics, I think, that have carried me to this point in life um, that I wanted to be able to facilitate the opportunity to give to other um, adolescents. And that those three characteristics that are, that are most important to me are great humility and resilience, um, because I think that, you know, used in the right way and in the proper balance. Um, that's where you actually have the biggest and greatest opportunity to learn and then apply, <clears throat> excuse me, apply that knowledge to that effect to change in whatever, in whatever capacity that you are able to do that. 
Um, the resilience piece, I want to say, was probably for me the hardest, um, and that I, I'm still working on, right? Um, but being in the sphere of working with entrepreneurs who are taking risks every single day, and who I'm encouraging to, you know, take the risk and don't be afraid to fail. Sometimes failure leads to the greatest innovation or the greatest opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, I then have to look myself in the face and say, I need to have that type of resilience in, in what it is that I'm doing and what I'm building and how I'm being part of um, the communities that I serve as well. So I think that, you know, that's that one I still work on every day with the proper balance of, of that humility and grit as well. You see, if you're not athletic enough to pursue the athletic aspect, then you get into acting. Uh, and if you're, yeah, well, so I mean, like we have that, we can share those 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 uh, complementary skill sets, I think. Right, and, and both of those um, fields require a, a strong level of collaboration, acting and also athleticism and teamwork. Um, so did those, those things kind of help you into building and growing into the person you are today? Oh yeah, the collaboration aspect. Oh yeah, abs absolutely. Um, it, you know, it takes a village, right? And, and we made businesses of that aspect. Um, I, uh, I I wouldn't be anyone uh, if if not for my my trust in in a collaborative process. And uh, you know, something to, to, that Tamara mentioned a moment ago that I, I would love to repeat because it's important. Um, Tamara mentioned that she's still working on certain aspects of, of the skill sets and I'm doing the same thing and I think a really important facet of being in this role and being uh, a collaborator professionally is recognizing that you never stop learning, you never stop getting better. There are a number of things that I'm not great at, which is why I collaborate with people who push me there or make up for the spaces that I, I can't cover. And that's a yeah. really, really serious piece because in a weird way, I think that's really counterintuitive to the American idea that you're supposed to do it all, man. You're an army of one. <laughs> and if, you are, if you're looking for work and if you're putting together a resume, you need to exhibit every aspect uh, in, in uh, the best possible light, which is true. But, you know, we also need to be honest about what we're not good at. Um, mm -hmm. I know what I'm not good at. I know what I'm excellent at. And that means that I can link up with folks. And to that degree, my company, my indie hall, my community shares that same vantage. We know exactly what we're good at and we know exactly what we are not good at. And that means that we can share that load. We can participate in the greater ecosystem of, of communities in Philadelphia in the world. Yeah. I want you guys to talk about how a co-working environment can help businesses and entrepreneurs thrive. So if, if there is any businesses or startups listening, how could they get value from being a part of a space like 1776 or Indie Hall? Tamara, you want to start? Yeah. Um, I, first and foremost, I think, um, you know, we talked about earlier on making intentional connections, right? And we mm -hmm. put that a lot of our staff at 1776 to be, you know, know your membership inside and out, know what challenges they're facing, know what milestones they're about to hit, also know when their kid's birthday party is coming up, you know, and how yeah. old they're turning. Um, and, I think through that, um, my favorite connections to make as a community builder are member-to-member -member connections, right? And mm -hmm. that's because there's a shared level of like unspoken, uh, particularly as a startup founder, a shared level of unspoken challenge, a shared level of unspoken, um, you know, uh, pride, you know, in being a, a 
business builder. Uh, and I think that just being in that space uh, where there's individuals around you grinding it out every single day, you know, whatever those working hours may be, and being able to look up and look over to someone and just get them along and say, like, sucks right now. Or like, oh, I just got the best email of my life and I want to give someone a high five. Just that in and of itself um, is, is a benefit. Um, I think the other thing is when there are people like Adam and myself and our staffs looking out for you in those spaces, you have an opportunity to grow your valuable network tenfold, you know, by just being open, just being in the space, just being willing to share who you are, what you do, um, and, and, and then having other people that you know are in the corner to be able to make connections that then, you know, could could save you 10 months of the sales cycle, or could give you an idea to pivot your, your business, or could just validate all the things that you had been feeling to, to give you motivation to keep moving in the, in, in the direction that you were going. Yeah, awesome. uh, yeah, all of that, uh, of course, you know, being a part of a co-working community, being a part of a, uh, a co-working space is, I mean, it's, it's boundless in terms of the kind of value that, that, that a person can receive from mm -hmm. here. I think one of the most unique values, and, and maybe the one that is least talked about, is uh, you know, as a people, we often think we know exactly what we need, but we don't know what we don't know. Uh, and if you're missing that thing, you couldn't want for it because you don't know it exists. When, when folks join Indie Hall, one of the most powerful aspects of, of being a part of Indie Hall, I think, is uh, learning that it's all right to be, it's all right to contain multitudes, it's all right to be a professional, uh, a person who is working on their business, a person who is uh, organizing themselves to, to achieve their ambitions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also all right to be social mm -hmm. and to shoot the shit and to have coffee <laughs> and to slow down. Right. And it's all right to bring your artwork with you. And it's all right to talk about your kids. And it's all right to talk about your life. And it's okay to have a space where you're allowed, permitted to do all of those things, to encompass all of those things. Um, that creates a, a sense of solidarity that we are every single member of Indy Hall outside of this room uh, we're all working on figuring out how to get through life mm. in our own way and we are all on this spectrum and there are high highs and there are low lows and we're there for each other and you know that the people who are in this room have experienced that part of life at some point so when you were there, you're not by yourself because someone was there too. Maybe they're there right now. Or maybe they just got out of it or over it. Mm -hmm. um, that's the kind of thing that you can't really ask for. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, when you are in college, it's a very pointed experience. You're working on your degree. It's the thing that's going to define you. And when you get a job, and hopefully you have a job that you like, you're doing one role, or, which contains a series of things, but you are satisfying this one realm. You're a marketer, you're a graphic designer, you're a copywriter. Uh, when you're at Indie Hall, we like to gradually reconnect people with the idea that you're a ton of things. Mm -hmm. And it's all right to be those things in a number of different ways. And I will give you space and time to be whatever it is that you need to be right now. But if you need to change what that thing is in an hour, in two hours, tomorrow, next week, I'll give you space for that too. That's mm -hmm. what Indie Hall's for. Yeah. You talked about how we're all just trying to figure out how to get through life. Um, what are some of the challenges you both face within building communities or just in your roles on a daily basis that you've been able to, to overcome? 
I think um, to piggyback on a point that, that uh, Adam just made, um, one of the greatest challenges for, for me thus far and the staff thus far, but also one of the greatest opportunities is being able to sort of middleman, right, these relationships, middleman and be able to explain both sides of an opportunity to, to individuals that should be interacting with one another. So I'll give you an example of context that most, most happens in 1776. There are, particularly in Philadelphia, there are a number of Fortune 500 companies or enterprises, right, who understand that the startup community exists. They understand that there could be a benefit or value add from implementing a lot of these innovations into their current, what are often archaic processes and procedures and systems. However, they don't understand the opportunity or how to have the conversation with those startups to be able to then make it something that's value, a valuable engagement for them to have. On the flip side of that, Startup founders get very focused on you know who their customer is, what product they're building, what sprint they're in the middle of, um, and and sometimes a don't have this the space or or the wherewithal to to pick their head up to say oh wait there there is an opportunity or my product could be used in a different way or my my software platform could be used in a different way to solve for this problem over here um, and nobody has really been able to verbalize to me a, a reason that I should pick my head up and look to maybe change or add, you know, another vertical of my business where I do consider that corporation or I do consider that enterprise as, as a real customer and in a relationship that I should start to look to build. So I think um, where that provides a great opportunity for um, our campus staff and our, our leadership staff is that we know both sides of that and we're having the conversation on both sides and then it really becomes our job to cultivate programming or cultivate opportunities that then explain to each side in a way that they can understand where that opportunity lies and then like we had said in the beginning that's really when your craft as a community builder becomes intentional and informed uh, and you're making sure that on the other side of that interaction there's real value versus just snapping something on the wall to say that you you did it, or you interacted with this person, or you have access to this person without anyone really understanding what the value in it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and, and I, I want to take that and actually uh, talk a little bit about how that gets even more difficult when you are uh, appealing to multiple parties to connect with one another, to find resources, to find time to spend with one another and consider all these things that are possible that we can see from our vantage point, this neutral vantage point. Um, and when you're conveying those things, it's difficult. When you're putting that stuff together because you know it exists and you want them to find each other, it's difficult. And one of the things that I find is most difficult is weaseling yourself out of that. So you are not uh, pinning yourself into that position or into that transaction, that exchange. Uh, there's got to be a way to make sure that all of that, that binding, that, that pairing is sustainable. And we have a ton of work. Tamara and I have a ton of work that we have to do. <laughs> we do a lot of different things at, at, at any moment. And um, I think it's really important to, and really extraordinarily difficult, to find a time to stop and get out of the way and let that thing flourish. I've mm. done all the stuff that I can, I've given parameters and I've offered guidance, and now it's time for them to take it across wherever they need to take it without me. Um, I, I try to do that as often as possible and create really small 
examples of that at Indy Hall. So folks know what I'm here to do, and they know that I will get out of the way so they can continue doing it on their own time. And that frees up my time and makes sure that I can continue thinking about other opportunities on the table and not get stuck, right? <laughs> and I, I think one of uh, the really small versions of that in a really important illustration at Indie Hall is who makes the coffee here? Uh, I could make it every day and, and uh, serve it, and I bet folks would like that. Uh, but I will make a pot of coffee early in the morning if I'm the first one in the morning. But the thing that I will do more times than that is teach someone how to make a pot of coffee. Because if I teach someone how to be a contributing member, then they understand how their system works. They know what it looks like when it's not happening and they can throw themselves into the situation and help each other. And they understand the value of being autonomous. They understand the value of agency and, and being someone who takes care of other people. Mm. If only I did that, if I was the broker for that thing every single time, I doubt people would see themselves in that position. They wouldn't have that chance to feel really good for making something for someone else. I mean, it's a small thing, right? But it's, it's a really key component of why this place can operate, why I'm still here, why Indy Hall is old, because me and my teammates know how to facilitate those things and then get out of the way. Yeah. What are some of your methods for dealing with more difficult personalities, whether it's within your community or within your own internal team? How do you deal with that, Tamara? I think that it all comes back to having that relationship with the person, right? Whatever that may be, and knowing what their motivations are and how to spin your narrative to get what it is that you need and want from them um, to, to make it uh, to make it a value add for them to change a behavior or to become more invested in changing a behavior um, to benefit themselves, right? And, and it sort of depends on the person. So I guess that that's a little the question and, and the situation, but it does come back to, for me, that, that relationship that you're able to build with, with someone, figuring out who they are, um, wh why it is that they might be um, interacting or reacting in that way, and then figuring out ways to reshape or, or uh, reframe their behavior to make it beneficial to them in the long run to do so. Um, we're fortunate at 1776, we don't deal with that uh, too often. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful active members who are um, you know, invested in the community in a way where they, they want to be good um, friends, they want to be good uh, workmates, they want to be good members of the community. Uh, and so we haven't had to deal with that much, but I think that that's how we would all, you know, that you first send me mentality comes into play, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with people who are, are um, you know, less, less than pleased or, or interacting in a way that is less than desirable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I think that's a tough question to answer too, you know, because it could be extended to asking, you know, how do you deal with that in your life, with your roommates, with your spouse, your friends, mm. with your family members, with strangers? You know, it's not really different here. Uh, it's, it, this is a, a slice of all of that. It's like a Petri dish of all of that, mm -hmm. um, which means I suppose it's a little bit easier to do here because we all have this common sense of at least a rough idea of what we're doing here, why we're here. Yep we all have at least some commonality in terms of the thing that we're looking for. We want to be productive and work on our business and make money. We want to be around other humans. 
You know, it's like a combination of one or two of those things at any given time. Uh, and that gives us some parameters that we can agree on, which is more than you can say in lots of spaces that we spend time in the world. Um, I think it's become more difficult lately because we have a, a more difficult climate in terms of finding things that we can agree on um, and finding nuance and patience and spending time looking through each other's eyes and breaking down our assumptions, our biases, our privileges. Um, Indy Hall is a code of conduct, and that code of conduct is an extremely important document that guides us. Imperatives, the things that we will always do, and constraints, the things that we will never do, and we won't compromise on those. And I think the most important way that we avoid conflict or mitigate conflict is everything I do, from making the coffee to cleaning the trash, to talking to people about dirty dishes in the sink, to offering conference room space, virtually every aspect of this place has to illustrate a piece of the code of conduct. That's something that we believe in. And if we illustrate it all day long, we create a self-selecting community, uh, an environment in which someone who doesn't want to be a part of these things will instantly recognize that it doesn't align. With any luck, we've avoided that a mile away. Yeah. And if we do, when we do, it's inevitable. Humans are messy. When we find disagreements or conflicts, mm -hmm. big or small, we can at least turn our attention to the things that we do agree on because we're here together. Um, yeah. This stuff's tough. You know, I, I would argue it's one of the hardest things about this job because people, like I said, humans are messy and I'm human. And we all work really hard to stay neutral and unbiased and help. But I'm not a referee. You know, I, I, I work actively not to be a referee because I don't want people to look at me as though I'm the, uh, the adjudicator of, of situations. I want people to see that I am keeping my eyes on the things that are really important in this community and uh, that we can help each other reach that greater good. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's tough. It's, it's a really difficult aspect and that's just any time you interact with people as a business. I don't care if you were in retail or if you were a server in a restaurant or if you're a community operator in a, a co-working space. Folks think co-working is this new thing and we have all these new challenges, but like this is old as dirt. People have been gathering since uh, uh, you know people existed on the planet and there's always been someone who's had to try to find a way to placate everyone. The best way that we can do it is to make sure that nobody thinks that anybody's right or wrong, but we all agree that there's a way to take care of one another and we have clear evidence of what it looks like when we're not doing that. Mm. And I want to talk a little bit about your, your mental health and how do you deal with having Terrible. <laughs> a role that you know, takes so much out of you. Uh, with dealing with people every day and creating partnerships and connecting, uh, it can be heavy and, and take a lot out of you, like I said. So what are some things you do to protect your mental health and also avoid burnout from dealing with so many different people and responsibilities? Oh, Tammy, that's question. That's a 2019 question. I'm hoping I can answer first and I can get some tips on how to start. <laughs> no, um, I think uh, for me personally, um, I am an extrovert, right, at its core, and I'm energized by being around people and I'm energized by interacting with them. But you're right, it does get heavy at times. Um, and so I think. You know, meditation <laughs> in the evenings has helped me to lift some of the weight um, of that. Uh, but also, you know, 
I think it's it's a motivator and something that drives me to be even more committed to wanting to build these strong communities is to, to be able to take that weight off and to be able to say, okay, like I wasn't able to help this company or we weren't we don't have this resource right now, but I'm going to go and get it because I recognize that this is now a need. Um, and so I think yeah, there's small personal self-care things, um, you know, getting into a regular routine, taking care of your physical health, um, that, you know, for me it's, it's meditation in the evenings and just turning my brain off. But um, using that stuff, you know, as if it energizes your spirit, using it as a motivator too to then do and build and create even more um, if it's something that's been really good. Yeah. What about for you, Adam? How do you protect your mental health? Yeah, it, it is highly personal, right? You know, Tamara has meditation, um, and I, I think that's amazing. I think one of the ways that I protect my mental health or the way that I, I stay healthy and, and happy and have a, a refuge when I'm not feeling those things is uh, recognizing that Indie Hall is made of uh, sub-communities, of, of smaller groups of people who have common interests and and I know that and I participate in some sub-communities and there are some that I don't participate in. And that's cool. That's okay. Every Wednesday, every week, I go to uh, a comic book shop two blocks away and we buy comic books. A group of people from uh, uh, Indie Hall, from this community, do that. We do it together. Something that I really look forward to. And it's really twerky and I love it. And there's a, a ton of people here who are down with that. And it's really important to me that I've found those people, that either they've given me permission or I've given them permission, but we, we work together and help each other out. Love this thing that we love and share that time with one another. And that gives me the ability to know that when I'm stressed out, mm -hmm. I have people who get me on a deeper level, which is really significant. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, you know, recognizing the need to ask for help is really key. Mm. I think, uh, you know, when we were hiring last year or, or about a year and a half ago, I suppose, uh, one of the things that we were looking for is making sure that anyone who presented themselves as being an expert of all things uh, showed us that they understood how to ask for help when they needed it. And, uh, and they were cool with that. And, and that's something that I, I try to entertain with any members here, with my teammates, my coworkers, and myself. You know, when I'm in a bind and I need to step away, I need to know that my team will take care of me. I need to know my community will take care of me. And if mm. I'm doing the, the best job that I can do, in my personal opinion, yes. uh, I am fostering a relationship where, where folks will, will do that. And yeah. they'll recognize that you know, I need to take a walk, I need time. I need to work from home. I need to work at 1776. I just need, you know, like, when you need a change of environment, you yeah. need people to support you to do support that. You. Yep, for sure. And something that you both do very well is create partnerships. So in your opinion, what makes a good partner and what are some red flags for when you're creating a partnership? Adam, you want to take this one? Yeah, um, actually, you know, one of the things that's interesting from my uh, viewpoint is, Indie Hall doesn't often work with the, the label or the term partnership, uh, mm. namely because we love to work with collaborators mm -hmm. and we like to use intentional uh, vocabulary so we all recognize that we have the ability to trust one another, that we have the ability to experiment, and when we need to iterate, then we can do those things together. Yeah. Part of the reason we don't use the P word is uh, <laughs> we don't want anyone to think that they are contractually obligated to do X, Y, Z or else. Mm. Uh, and 
I think uh, there's an awesome way of creating great partnerships if you know exactly what you're doing with the group that you're doing it with. There's a great, to be, a great way to be airtight about those things. But often the, the forums of collaborations that we do are one-off or more casual or more informal. They let us play a little more. And that means that it leaves room for us to, uh, I think uh, uh, you made a point earlier, Tamara, to, to fail. And, and if things don't work exactly as we thought they would work, then it's okay. We get to iterate. We get to come to the table. No hard feelings. We work it out. Um, that's key for me. Uh, because it means that the language that we use in terms of who we speak with and how we talk about what we do is leaving that space. And I, I find that very important. It, mm -hmm. it conveys what Indie Hall is about. And Indie Hall is very confident in, in the way that it talks about itself because it understands exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so partnerships are, are, are an interesting kind of sticky wicket with us. We, just, we love to find people who have the same mentality. We want to try stuff out. We're going to see what works and we're going to go from there. Sure. And then we figure out multiple times what works. We're going to just capitalize on that and yeah. lean out the stuff that didn't. Gotcha. And for you, Tamara, how does 1776, uh, what do they look for in partnerships and what are some red flags? Yeah, so at 1776, we do have partnerships and they are um, formalized mm -hmm. partnerships. And we do see them as a huge value add to our community. But the heart of what Adam just said remains true for the part types of partnership engagements that we are willing to take on. Um, and that is they are non-transactional. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a large corporation who wants access to the startup community and just wants to pluck you know, individuals from cybersecurity to put them on show and, and showcase some sort of thought leadership in the space, we don't want to work with you. Um, and we'll tell you that from the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, we want individuals who, again, have, have those same qualities as our members and our staff, but like have curiosity about working in the space, um, identify some sort of opportunity by working and collaborating with us. Uh, and then the approach that we take for working with partners in 1776 is that hyper-collaborative approach. It's where we're sitting down with those partners and saying, okay, what goals are you trying to meet? For your community, what is your motivation for wanting to interact with us and to be a part of this community? And then figuring out where the niche space is between there of where they could then provide value back to our entrepreneurs. So it always comes back down to the entrepreneurs uh, at the end of the day of where we're able to say, okay, yes, we want to work with you, we want to collaborate, we're going to help you meet your goals. And then we provide the opportunity for them to do that um, with the entrepreneurs in our space that we know will be valuable for them. So highly collaborative. I think, you know, if you're entering into transactional partnerships, um, your community can lose value very quickly. Um, and it becomes like a fishbowl fish or a factory farm for entrepreneurs, which is just not, it's not helpful for anyone. And if we're here to cultivate communities that help businesses grow, then our partners need to understand that. They need to be willing to open up their networks. They need to be willing to listen to hear what the entrepreneurs need. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll figure out, again, that's where 1776 comes in, and we're able to explain the opportunity on both sides, you know, make that gray area more black and white, and provide a platform of opportunity for the two to work together. Yeah, and if I might add really quickly, um, red flags are interesting. There's a, there's a really weird wet red flag that we use which might seem counterintuitive, but if someone contacts Indie Hall and they, they say that they're looking for space, it's one of the first things that turns me off from a potential collaboration because I don't want to be the last thing that you thought of. 
Uh, I would love for people to have a more uh, comprehensive consideration of who they want to be a part of and how that's going to look and what they do. And that usually means that you're looking for a group of people and you would, we would come up early. If all you need is space, I don't sell space. Mm. That's not what we sell to our members. That's not what I sell to anybody. It's a different thing. Now, I'll leave room for me to convey that. It's entirely possible. Uh, folks have never really considered that a value proposition and the way that we talk about some of those social aspects. Mm. And I'll leave space to, to convey that. And a lot of those flags could come up as I, I talk through those things. But sometimes it works the opposite way and people perk up and they're like, oh, I didn't even have the words to, to say what I was looking for, but that's it. And I, I need to know, I really need to trust that you want to be a part of our community. You want to mm -hmm. elevate them. You're going to help them. You're going to be with us and they're going to take care of you too. And you will understand what you'll get in return. Mm -hmm. um, that's really key. And I think looking for those languages, you know, the, the variance, the nuances and the way that people speak about these things mm. is important to me. How important is it for both of your communities to incorporate inclusion for, for all types of people? So, you know, what are some of the initiatives that you have in place to make sure that your, your communities include everyone? Tamara, you want to start? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that our, our, CEO Jen Mayer really prides herself on it, and we pride ourselves on as a team is the diversity that exists within our team. We're a disparate team, we're spread across 10 locations, five states. Um, but we have diversity in, you know, race, age, gender, sexual orientation, um, and also diversity in thought. And there's so much strength in that and mm -hmm. being able to cultivate. Um, that culture from within our organization to utilize that as a strength yeah. and then utilize each and every person's opinion and, and process and um, ideas to then build a culture that is inherently supportive and inclusive of, of all individuals regardless of what region that we're growing in. Um, that said, we as a, as a, a team are taking a more intentional um, measurable action internally. Um, we just created a, a DNI committee um, that's led by our team members um, who have chosen to be on that community. And after the first discussion, it wasn't you know what initiatives do we want to create to then go and and you know tell the region or what what partnerships do we want to create. We actually said you know what the most beneficial thing for us right now would be to take a look inward, right? And let's educate ourselves and our staff around what is diversity, what is inclusion, what is my idea of it, what is your idea of it, and what is our company's stance that we're taking on that. Um, and do it in an informed way where we invite members of the community in, who that is their niche, that is their specialty, to come and educate us as a staff, give us a more holistic point of view, you know, so then we can make informed decisions for starting initiatives and you know partnering with organizations that we really believe would forward the momentum of making Philadelphia, making DC, making you know Delaware more diverse and inclusive um, regions uh, for growing business. And so um, that that's the stance that we're taking or that's that's what we're doing right now internally. Um, and, and I think um, it's going to, in the long run, really benefit the types of initiatives and opportunities that we're able to engage in in the future by taking that as a first step. Yeah. What about for you, Adam? How does diversity make the community better? 
Yeah. Uh, so if the question is how important is, is diversity and, and inclusivity, there's nothing more important. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we have to recognize the beginning of this community and where it came from. Yeah. And in 2006, there was a group of people who were getting together because they were coders and developers and they could work wherever they like. Mm -hmm. And they mostly looked like young white dudes <laughs> like me. Uh, and uh, we used to have this rule as we were a smaller community. We used to have this like, kind of tongue-in-cheek casual saying that we would say the only rule with indie hall is don't be a dick um, mm. that doesn't suffice mm. uh, and at a certain point in time when you're scaling when you're growing when you're opening your doors to people that you didn't know existed that you haven't met and they've never met you you need to really break down what that means in a very explicit manner and again it's back to that code of conduct what we believe in what we stand for what we will never compromise on if this entire conversation is about building authentic communities, mm -hmm. you can never build an authentic community if it doesn't reflect what the rest of the city looks like. Mm -hmm. This city has, the Indy Hall has to be a part of Philadelphia. It needs to look like Philadelphia. Because mm -hmm. if you look through our window and you don't see someone that looks like you mm -hmm. or has a, a, a resonance that you connect with, you're never gonna be a part of this community. Sure. It's gonna get worse. And I need to recognize my privilege to be able to do the things that I've done up until this point as a straight white guy. And I need to break that stuff down. I need to ask questions. I need to absolutely participate in inclusivity training, which is so key because I think it's about learning vocabulary. I think it's about that notion of you don't know what you don't know and you need to educate yourself about these things, that, that ignorance that you need to break on a daily basis is mm -hmm. key. We use a lot of sponsorship opportunities, which we think are really important. We talk with our members about, uh, quite literally, having members put a little bit additional toward their membership, and we create a pool for sponsorship of new members, people that aren't here, students, people who don't have the privileges or the abilities or the platforms mm. to find us, even to get on the bus and to yeah. afford a, a, a septic key to get to this place. Yeah. We want to give them a leg up so they get inside and they can find us because we give them a more direct invitation. We want to create opportunities like our first Friday. Every first Friday is free at Indy Hall. We look toward our free public library as a resource and as a, a, an institution that does a really important service and it brings its barriers down and it tells people exactly who they want to have here. We want everyone here. We want you here. Not a specific type of person. We want everyone here and we'll make it as easy as possible. And we also really like to work closely with marginalized groups, meetups, uh, events that are run by the LGBTQ uh, community of Philadelphia, our black and brown coworkers. We really want to work with people who might have difficulty finding venues where they feel safe or comfortable. They might have difficulty uh, uh, paying for certain opportunities if they don't have sponsors or some like 501c3 situation. It gets so complicated and yeah. it shouldn't be. And Indy Hall wants to be a neighborhood resource. So we need to reach those people exactly where they are. We need to show them that they are members here, that they are invited here, that they are welcome, that they are one of us. We need to give them opportunities to do things that uh, might be difficult for other folks. When we demonstrate that stuff, we take photos, we share stories, we post on our forum about how, how it's an open invite for all or it's for specific groups. We have a Girl Scouts troop. Go what it looks like, what we think it looks like to create 
uh, leaders who are, are women, who are non-binary, who are, you know, not reflected in tech, not reflected in new entrepreneurial senses. I think that's messed up. I don't, I don't want to be a part of a world that only shows a certain type of person successful. So Indie Hall has to find a lot of different ways to attack that. We have to be really del deliberate. And we need to bake that into the core of why we exist, into our code of conduct. Yeah. You mentioned, you kind of brought it all back together earlier about authenticity. So to wrap up here, I want to ask you both, what are your plans to scale for the future as far as building, continuing to build authentic communities? And I would also like for both of you to leave our community with either an offer from your community to them. Uh, it could be a piece of advice, a quote, a service, anything that you would like, um, just as a something to give back to you know, our audience. So Tamara, start, you can start with your plans to scale for the future and one offer from your community, and then Adam will be over to you. Yeah, so um, again, 1776, uh, we just really spread and, and covering multiple regions. Um, scaling community building right now is, is starting with um, campus staff, right? And it's the first question that you asked us. What, what, uh, what is inherent in individuals mm -hmm. from the community builders? Um, and figuring out how to uh, source those individuals, be able to uh, motivate them mm -hmm. from within to want to continue to grow and build because there is that piece where it's not about me. You know, it's not about me. It's about wanting to, to see these communities grow. Um, and then figuring out ways for me personally as we scale um, to arm those individuals with the information that they need, the resources that they need, in what place and what location that they can go to so they can more seamlessly make those connections for our entrepreneurs in space and be able to then prove day in and day out the value of being a member of 1776 because they're able to confidently source resources for these entrepreneurs to grow uh, and do that across regions as, as you know our members scale into different markets and markets that we're often residing in um, and so that uh, that is the as we scale uh, that for me first and foremost will always be um, the thing that I think is the heartbeat mm. of what used to create authentic communities in 1776 is for our campus staff how are we arming them with resources how are we teaching them to engage properly with membership not only as someone who provides insanely good customer service but someone who is also a real valid true business resource to to our membership um, so that's that is that for the scale question uh, and I think you know, I think the piece of advice that I would leave individuals with uh, after this conversation is that no one ever really wins by telling people what you think they need, right? Um, you can't build an authentic community, you can't host a successful event, you can't host a successful program, you can't make you know, a successful introduction by thinking that you know what people need. Uh, you need to be able to and be willing to be flexible enough to and be you know uh, invested enough to want to know about people, to want to listen to them, to be able to want to you know identify trends and maybe some some overarching needs of entrepreneurs that are growing, but on an individual level as well, give people what they need, and that's when then when value comes in. Don't tell them what they need. Listen, build a relationship. And, and give people the things that they need to be able to continue to grow.
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that, Tamara. And Adam, what about for you? What are your plans to scale and, and one offer? Uh, Indie Hall's plans to scale um, don't look like multiple locations. Um, uh, this is one of the questions we get all the time. Is like, Do you have other locations? Are you going to expand? Uh, this is not really part of our plan. It's not really our MO. We want to be the best version of the thing that we are, mm -hmm. and we're going to stay that. If there was another location, it wouldn't be Indie Hall. There's no Indie Hall sequel. It would be its own thing. Yeah. That's how we would do it right there, too. Um, we have no plans for doing that. We're quite happy. Thank you. Um, so the way that we scale is we, uh, we change our perspective of some things that we used to think we had an understanding of. Back in the day, uh, our relationship with our, our city government uh, would usually sound like, you stay out of our way and we'll stay out of yours. And it was sort of our ways to make sure that we got to do what we wanted to do without any obstacles. Uh, these days, it's more deliberate. We have uh, a lot of good friends that run the city of Philadelphia, or at least that's their role. That's what they're made to do. Mm -hmm. We try to keep that channel open so we can help one another. They can teach us about things that we don't see, and they can uh, uh, also use us as an opportunity uh, to bring their council people uh, to have meetings here to share this more widely throughout the, the city of Philadelphia. That's important to me. Uh, we're also spending more time with students, and that's really key for me personally. That's a, a, a kind of a pet project. I spent two years after college floundering. I don't want anyone to do that. Mm. I want Indy Hall to plant a seed now and early and let you know about your opportunities. It might not look like us, but we're here if you need us. So we're spending more time on college campuses. I'm visiting college campuses and talking to students about what it looks like with their degree, their profession, they're gunning for, what they look like here at Indy Hall, and what it would look like if they came and spent time with us. Mm. That's really important to me. Um, my invitation is quite literal. Uh, like I mentioned, first Fridays at Indy Hall mm -hmm. are free. Yep. If you have something to study and you want to bring it, bring it. If you have work that you need to work on, bring that to Indy Hall on first Friday. This Friday, May 3rd, it's an event called Open Hall. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. And we want people to use this, like I said, like the Free Public Library as a neighborhood resource. If you've never tried co-working before, come try it. There's, there's you know, no conflict. Just come and hang. If you have friends that you want to have visit with you, I think that's the best way to go. Bring people with you. So you don't have to take it upon yourself to talk to people alone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know exactly how that works. Yep. You know. And uh, I, I think that's so key. You find some folks, you just go and crash in the hall yeah. on first Friday. It's an awesome day. The energy is good. There's so many people here. It's just a good neighborhood vibe. Yep. And I love it so much. Every single first Friday, and the next one is this Friday, May 3rd. Yep, I can definitely vouch for that. We did visit uh, first Friday a couple months ago, and it is great energy there. Um, you're able to get work done, but you can also be social. And it was the same for 1776 as well. We visited there. So thank you both for being a part of this, being so transparent. Tamara, did you want to add something? Well, I was going to add an extended offer as well um, that, you know, anyone who wants to come and work for a day yep. is welcome to visit the campus manager at any of our locations. We have three locations in Sarasota, Philadelphia. Uh, we have one at the Cherry Hill Mall, which is mm -hmm. launched. Please go visit. Feel free to work for the day, get to know some of our other members and our staff. Um, but also next week, Philly Tech Week, which yep. I know we're all really excited about coming up. Um, we're offering open mental office hours. Um, there's a, uh, a technically article that dropped yesterday uh, with registration links there. So 
look them up. You can come meet some of our mentors and feel free to work for a day. Awesome. Awesome. And so we also have an offer that we would like to extend as well. So if you do have a co-working space or an incubator or something like that, so, uh, similar to 1776 or Indie Hall, Penji would love to visit your space and offer our services to your members for free. So they will be able to uh, consult with a graphic designer and also be able to get a free design project. So that's our offer to our audience. Um, if you're interested, you can contact me. Uh, my email will be listed in the, the Facebook description um, so that we can talk about partnerships and collaborations, as, as Adam likes to say. Uh, so I would like to thank Adam and Tamara for joining us on today's webinar. Uh, I hope the live video was everyone was able to see and hear it. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it'll be available for replay uh, later and also be up on our website pretty soon. So let everyone know where they can reach you guys or find you to learn more about you. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, websites, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, our website, IndieHall.org, IndieHall.org everything is in there including my contact information or address um, if you have a question we probably answered it in faqs but if you want to reach us directly i'd love that awesome tamara definitely same here at 1776.bc is our uh, company website um, i'm happy to field any emails my it's just my name tamara t-a-m-r-a at 1776.bc if you have any questions around the community uh, or just becoming involved, whether that be a partner, collaborator, or member. Uh, and then also on LinkedIn, just Tamara Thompson. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for joining us today. Uh, as I said before, this webinar was brought to you by Penji. We provide on-demand graphic design to businesses, startups, marketing team, agencies, nonprofits, and more. So check us out at penji.co for more information. And like I said, the webinar will be available for replay later for the people that didn't catch the live version. So another thank you to my guests and to everyone else watching. Have a safe and productive day. Thank you.